everybody. Welcome to the Survival Show Podcast mailbag segment with David and me, Craig. What we're going to do is we're going to take you step by step through the mindset, skills, tactics, and gear you need to survive almost any crisis, emergency, or disaster. And maybe even more importantly, show you how to use the lessons you learn today to thrive in your life tomorrow. All right, guys. So we've been listening to you. And today what we're going to do is a special spinoff segment. We're going to dip into the mailbag, take maybe 15 minutes and run down through a bunch of questions that you guys have. And Craig and I are going to kick it back and forth and do our best to answer them. Craig, you ready to get into this? Let's do this. Uh, this first question is, is pretty interesting. Uh, one of our uh, supporters on Patreon sent this to us, and um, uh, he, he basically, it wasn't really a question, but I thought it was worthwhile our discussion. And what he did was he had a bicycle pump that he kept in his vehicle to help pump the tires up on his car. So my question that I took out of that story that he <laughs> shared with us is, what do you think about having a bicycle tire pump in your vehicle? I think it's a fantastic idea. And um, what I want to say is it depends on how you define a bicycle pump. I don't know about you, Craig, but my vehicles, I am the last owner of every vehicle that I have. So over the years, I will say that I have had tires in my on my vehicles that occasionally lost air at, you know, inopportune times. So for a bicycle pump, what I carried for many years was one of those foot pumps you know you can get you mm -hmm. know after two three four minutes <laughs> five minutes you can get a, a tire that's kind of looking a little bit flat up to a serviceable inflation uh what i later did is i got one of those smaller plug into your cigarette lighter pumps that makes it a little bit easier best of all it's it's a great idea to have have good tires and know how to plug your tire if you actually get a flat. Fortunately, I haven't gotten that many, that many flats, um, but tire plugs, I, I'm I'm down with a bicycle pump. <laughs> what, do you, what say you? I think there's a couple things we need to make sure that we understand. Number one, this is where a <laughs> tire is low, but it's not completely empty and it's still that's on the right, rim. That's right. It's not going to be worth a hill of beans good if you're pumping air into a tire and, and there's not a good seal. I'm a bigger fan of uh, fix a flat just because I know people that use it in disaster readiness. They plug it in, boom, their tires up, and they're ready to rock and roll, and they spend about five minutes doing that. Uh, it's going to take a considerable amount of time to pump up a tire with a bicycle pump. If it works, it works. By golly, use it. Uh, but uh, just keep in mind you're going to have to have that seal, and you're also going to have to spend a great deal of time doing that in uh, short term natural disaster you're going to want to get out of a situation quick so uh, a better choice would be something like fix a flat or a, a professional plug-in kit or something that you can fix on the road i would also like to say because anybody that works on vehicles cringed as soon as i said fix a flat uh, <laughs> if you happen to use fix a flat in a disaster then um, make sh absolute certainty that when you take your vehicle in after the situation is mm, over, right. that you t you tell the service dude, tell that guy, hey, I had to use fixed flat. I was in this situation. They're not going to like it, but at least they know about it because uh, a tire that's full of fixed flat can cause considerable problems for someone when they come behind you to fix it. And so it's it's just good good business <laughs> of working with the guy that's going to fix your tires to uh, to let them know. 
What about you want to get into this next one? So question number two, and I'm going to let you take a swipe at this one first. How do you handle letters to soldiers during Christmas time? And what kinds of things do you say in those letters? I'm not really sure what they're asking here. Maybe you have a little more clarity on on how to answer this one. Yeah, this came up. I threw this question in there because I got this is almost verbatim. A question that I got. Uh, I have the good fortune of training a lot of people, and uh, a lot of those people either go into the military, are in the military, or their family members go into the military. And so I get um, I get an opportunity, and even get specifically asked, "Hey, can you write somebody?" The reason I brought it, you know, survival is a lot of different things, and we've got issues with people that have PTSD or just mm-hmm. the stress of being in the military. Basic training is the one that I was thinking of more than anything. That's when this came gotcha. up is what do you write to people that are in basic training? I've got a, a really good friend. He, he was a student of mine for a long time. He's in basic training right now. Um, I had written him early on and then his wife wrote me right at Christmas and says, Craig, I really need you to write him and just talk to him because he's having trouble. So uh, one of the things I always try to do is just let people know that they're valuable. Uh, there's There's been mm-hmm. some discussion among the civilian and military personnel of, you know, do you tell those folks, thank you for your service? Because some people that are in the military take exception to that and don't like hearing that. Uh, what kind of things do you do or what kind of things do you say? Um, one of the things that seems to work well for me, and I'm not saying this is the greatest thing, but I just know that it, it seems to work well, is anytime I get to communicate with somebody in the military, I always tell them what kind of good things are happening in my life and and let them know that I know it's because of the security that people do in their kind of work. Um, they make it happen for me Um, because the military personnel are typically really good at recognizing that they are at the service of others. Mm -hmm. And even though they may not like, Hey, thank you for your service. They do like the, the fruits of that labor, if you will, meaning, Hey, they've done something and they recognize, Hey, I I can say something like, Hey man, we had a great Christmas. uh, And I want to thank you for the, the opportunity that we live in a place where I have security and stuff of that nature. Uh, also, what I always try to do is uh, I try to always encourage them to spend time writing their families. Uh, I know my son, when he was in basic training and, and after he got back, we talked about this where, you know, I told him I would write in the letter, hey, don't feel it necessary to write me back. Uh, because in a basic training situation, depends on the branch of service. Some of them are a little bit more difficult than others. But, you know, it might be you know, like my son may have had five, ten minutes to write a day at certain times. And I didn't want him to take his only break that he had and write me or his mother. You know, I I would write in my letter, Hey, just if you get an opportunity to write me back, instead of sitting down and write me back, sit down and do nothing, take a break, just breathe for a while and, and know that I want you to do that. And that way they feel okay by not having to write you back. And if they want to write you back, they will. Yeah. You know, you'd love to hear from them. They know that. And uh, that way you can get some some uh, opportunities to help those guys and gals. But one thing's for sure, write them. If you know somebody mm-hmm. that particularly is going to basic training, then get their address uh, and write them. It doesn't matter if you know them really well. If it's somebody in your family, somebody in your church, the son or daughter of a friend of yours or somebody you work with or some of that nature, then take the time to write them. That kind of stuff is invaluable to those people. I would take anything, and I think you nailed it just right. Um, it was always nice to hear news from home. It was, <laughs> it was, it was nice when people just kind of joked around in, in their letters. And one thing 
that is really special today that when I was in the service, it, it, it was just the way things were. But now we have, we have email and texts and all that. There's something special when somebody writes you a letter in their own hand and sends it with a stamp. So that might be a little, a little something there. And I, I second everything you said. I'm thinking you appreciate what you're doing, yeah, exactly. what you've done. And um, if it's somebody you, you know, you, you know, just let them know that you're there for them. Yeah, absolutely. So number three, question number three, are you ready for this one? And I got this again. I actually got this on Instagram because I had a video up of me throwing tomahawks. Oh, yeah, that was, that was sweet. Was that your first shot? That's all I have to ask. <laughs> Dare you ask me that question? <laughs> Dude, I've been throwing tomahawks for 40 years. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yes, that was my first shot. <laughs> now, what I did show you the other times that I missed after that, but that was my first shot. Nice. So the question is, what do you think about utilizing a tomahawk as a self-defense tool, especially since they are typically thrown at a distance? Again, this is a question I got on, on Instagram. Um, the The answer is no. I think it's it's not a smart tool to use hmm. as a self-defense tool from a distance. Uh, anything, Anytime you take a tool that you utilize for survival or self-defense and throw it, you're throwing away your tool. <laughs> so right. that's not, really, no longer in that's your not really smart. Yeah, it's not there anymore. It's in a position where it's probably easy for the other person to pick it up. And so I'm not a fan of that. Uh, Tomahawks were not tools that were thrown very often anyway. Uh, Hollywood and all that kind of stuff made it out to be that way. They, they were used at close quarter battle. They were used as, you know, you put, you, you put the hawk end in your hand close, not at the end of the handle and you hit people with it. Um, and, and, you know, taking the sharp edge of the, the face of a tomahawk and hitting people in the face usually detracts them from continuing to do whatever it was that they were doing at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but throwing it is not something that happened very often at all. It did happen. We actually have some recorded instances of it, but, um, and when I say recorder, we have, there was one, uh, particular instance that happened here in Kentucky, uh, and there was actually a tomahawk kill in Iraq from a special forces soldier. And he threw his tomahawk at eight feet. Um, that is confirmed kill in Iraq. So even in the modern times it can be used, but it's not something that I would recommend at all. Mm-hmm. They are really fun to throw, but not for a self-defense tool. All right. Question number four, what are your thoughts on pocket EDC dumps on social media? I actually have not seen many online, but I know a couple of years ago at blade show, we did a, a special where we just did pocket EDC dumps. I think they're fun. I'm not sure if they prove anything, but I think it's it's uh, an interesting awareness of of what you have in your pocket. I do know that we told people that we were going to do them that day, and I think some people stuffed their pockets. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not sure they're totally beneficial, except for entertainment and maybe to see just some diverse thought processes that people have. Are they completely instructional? I wouldn't say so i would say they're more entertaining at least for me what do you think man uh i couldn't agree more uh, i think they're entertainment i don't think they're educational uh the I, I see guys that have instagrams that have a pocket dump every day or every other day or a couple of times a week and it's a different pocket dump that tells me a couple <laughs> things number one they uh they're not training with the tools that are that they're carrying a lot because their tools mm-hmm. are changing up too often um this is and i got into this when i wrote my second book on gear is uh, I really went back and forth with the publisher about how to educate people because they wanted me to do some things I wasn't willing to do. And uh, 
the main one is that I've got certain tools. Like my pocket knife, I've been carrying that pocket knife for almost 15 years, uh, that particular one. And before that, I had one exactly like it that I'd carried for, you know, five, but I lost it. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm not a guy. I mean, it's the same pocket knife. It's a CRKT M21. I've been carrying it for, for you know, over 15 years now. That's not exciting and that's not sexy. If I did an EDC dump every day and showed that pocket knife, then CRKT might be happy. But, uh, but, uh, but you you wouldn't have any Instagram followers. (laughs) Exactly. No, I mean, I mean, but yeah, I think it's an, it's an enrichment. It's a entertainment sort of thing, but it's definitely not on the scale of, uh, I'm not saying that you can't use it for education. It's just make sure that you let people know that the best way to do things is get tools at work and then use them regularly so that you're comfortable with them. Yeah, I'm the same way. And we've talked about our everyday carry a bit in the past. But I'm I'm like you. I've been carrying the same Leatherman Wave multi-tool for 15 years. I've got a couple of knives that I swap in and out. My paracord belt's the same. I've had that for six. And, uh, you know, all the other tools that I carry, like in my wallet, nothing has really changed. The only thing that has changed is the tiny survival guide that I added, and we'll be talking about that. <laughs> yeah, no joke. Sometime soon. <laughs> <No> Teaser. <joke. laughs> yeah. Dun-dun-dun. Foreshadow. <laughs> and they discuss something that was to happen in the future. The EDC. <laughs> no, it's a cool guide, and we'll talk about that one when it's time. Let's get into this next question. Number Question number five is, can you expand on your discussion of the sixth sense and get David's thoughts as well. The reason this question came up, uh, I think I got this question on Facebook, but uh, I put a podcast out maybe a week ago. Uh, well, it's hard to tell. We've got so many things in a queue. Who knows when this came out, but it we came keep, out. We're lo- we're st- I'm starting to lose track, even though I have show notes. But oh, I, I just keep losing track, man. But it's awesome. There, it's awesome. There, you, yeah. you can find it. There's a, It's a short one. It's a 15-minute podcast on uh, your sixth sense of survival. Couldn't remember what I titled it. But but check it out. Listen to it. Uh, but people want me to expand upon it. So let's d- we'll discuss it here, get David's thoughts on it as well. As well as please know, and again, this is sort of in a queue, but I'm coming out with a podcast that discusses another inc- entirely different part of the sixth sense, which is fast and slow thinking and how that plays out as well. So, so dig that, dig into that. And that way you can understand how to uh, recognize that things are happening before they happen. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's not prophecy. It's not being a prophet or anything of that nature. I'm just saying there's a lot of, there's a lot of information that's coming into us through our senses. And if we start to recognize that it is coming in and and know how to function with it and utilize it, then, then we can, uh, then we can pay more attention and and know some things are going to happen before they actually happen. So you want to do a quick, just a quick, why don't you do, you want to do a quick rundown of the five senses real quick that lead up to the sixth sense, because I think they build up to understanding what that sixth sense is. Yeah. I think the, the gist of it is this guys and gals is that this sixth sense is nothing short of just science. It's, it's there. We know that it's there. And the question is why, and how do we know that it's there and how do we, how do we, function it how do we make it work for us basically what's happening is that your eyes see things and whether your mind processes it or not your eye has seen danger mm-hmm. for example your your eye might be able to take in a mountain lion that it sees in a in a forested area but you haven't recognized it yet your eyes have seen them mm-hmm. but it just hasn't processed it yet your nose will have the sense to take in an odor 
that you may not give direct thought to, but it's there. Your mind is already taking that information in. Same is true for your ears. You'll hear things. You might hear a snap, uh, that snap that you hear in the, in a way, and I always go wilderness because that's what I'm, that's in my wheelhouse. I always talk about things from a wilderness perspective, but you hear that snap in the woods, then, uh, there's a time to recognize when that's a branch that's fallen out of a tree. There's also a time to recognize that that is an animal that stepped on it that could be bringing danger. It could be a human that's bringing danger to you. Um, and, and then your sense of touch where you can feel and recognize things, particularly in the dark is the way I like to think right. of our yeah. sense of touch. It's in an, an extremely strong sense and that we can utilize it for our good. One of the things I used to have my judo students do is we, we do this thing in, in judo called Rondori where it's basically fighting competing where you're you're trying to throw somebody and they're trying to throw you and you're not letting them throw you but i would have my students do it with their eyes closed and so they had to feel these techniques and feel when people were unbalanced and you could pick them up and throw them because judo is where you pick humans up and throw them you Mm -hmm. know and you you, typical person me included i can't go up to any average or average ordinary individual and just pick them up Uh, well i can but but most people can't but in judo it's, uh, it's, it's the business where you take them and you basically toss them up and over. And so, uh, you have to feel that. And, and that comes from your senses and, and, and the same is true with self-defense, you know, in a low light condition, do you have the ability to defend yourself? Uh, if you make physical contact, if you wake up and somebody's on top of you in the bed and you've got to fight them off, for example, mm-hmm. can you feel where their arms are? Uh, have you ever been in that position where you had to learn how to fight? And then, so basically what I'm saying is, is that, uh, particularly as it pertains to your sight, your hearing and your smell, you have all this information that's coming into you at any given time. And if, if you allow yourself to process it, you will recognize danger more often than you won't. That that's the sixth sense. Mm-hmm. It, it's just putting the other five senses together. Yeah, it's really interesting when we've talked about the critical rule of threes, and we'll talk about that more. Sometimes, sometimes the first two of these these critical uh, outside of the baseline anomalies happen, and you're not actively processing that. But then that third or that fourth thing happens, and and your mind takes in all that information, and it's almost like an aha moment. Uh, maybe maybe that's what we're talking about a little bit here. I know for me. My combat of sport, Craig, and you're probably going to laugh at this, is basketball. <laughs> and I was I was at the gym playing this morning, and I do these I do these various drills where, you know, I'll throw the basketball up behind my head, uh, with my back facing the hoop and the ball, and on the second bounce, I'll turn around, grab it, and shoot. Right. So and and now now I play uh, I play basketball with guys that literally are younger than my children and, <laughs> and I'm their senior by oftentimes, you know, 35 years. So some things have diminished as far as my physical capabilities, but what hasn't diminished and what has gotten more sensitive are these, are, are my senses. I can look at a guy and how he, how he dribbles a ball, how he moves. And within a couple of seconds, I can tell what his weaknesses and strengths are and I can, I can take away his strengths and play him to his weaknesses. And, um, yeah, anyway, it's fun. So that's my combat of <laughs> is basketball. And sometimes it gets to that. But 
you know, I don't know. I don't know if you agree with all that. I do. I mean, everybody we've talked about it in the past uh, on the show, but everybody's got to find their way to stress themselves out. When I mean physical stress, whether it's working out, playing basketball, lifting weights, going to the woods and rucking when it's raining, um, uh, doing grappling, fighting, uh, training where you fight people. And and I'm not saying go into a bar and fight people, but that actually is really good training. <laughs> it, it is one of those things where you've got to stress yourself physically so that your mind can work through those stresses. And sports is a great way of doing that. You know, uh, football is a great way of doing that. Basketball is a good way of doing that. Baseball, which I played, is not a good way of doing that. It's not a real stressful, <laughs> stressful sport, sport, but but uh, but it is what it is. Yeah. All right, Craig, those were fantastic questions. So guys, if you'd like these Q&A sessions, just let us know and we'll do more of them. If you would like us to answer your questions, there's several ways you can do that. You can go over to patreon.com, a survival show, become a part of the community over there and you can leave us questions. We would love to answer them and they can be on anything. Honestly, they can be on anything. I really like the question today. Once you tuned it in for me, on how to send letters to soldiers. I thought that was a, a, a really nice and, and helpful thing to remind ourselves of. So everybody, here's how here here's the biggest and best way to help us out. And when you help us, we help you, right? You just you just realize that because you sent us questions and we answered them. Uh, go to the podcast now and it's free. Absolutely free. Help a brother out. A, hashtag HBO help a brother out. Do me a solid. Do us a solid and subscribe to the show. That I mean, it seems simple, but that really helps us. It really helps us. We appreciate that. If you enjoy the podcast, and obviously we hope you do, then uh, give us a five-star rating. If you don't enjoy the podcast, then give us some feedback and tell us what we need to do to make it better because we're all about listening to you. So um, that way we can continue to help people as best we can. And I think that's it. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time on the Survival Show podcast. Keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp.